You're listening to the Holistic Spaces podcast brought to you by Mindful Design Feng Shui School. Episode 165, Best Feng Shui Plants. Welcome to episode 165 of the Holistic Spaces podcast, where we hope to inspire, educate, and empower you to create your own holistic spaces that nurture and resonate with you. Angie Cho and Laura Morris are the founders of the Mindful Design Feng Shui School. We teach feng shui online at mindfuldesignschool.com. Check us out. Be sure to sign up for our mailing list to hear about events and offerings and to learn more about our upcoming certification program. Yes. If you're not on our mailing list already, please get on it because then you can get notified when we are having our information sessions about the program that is starting at the end of this month. It is our class of fall 2022. And we go through all the details of the program, dates, you know, modules, everything. And we we present it live. So it's a nice way to come. Uh, It's 45 minutes. We walk through everything and you can ask questions. So if you're interested, if you've been listening to us for a while and you've been dabbling and with the thinking and sort of toying with the idea, there's no harm in coming to the free info session. Just check it out. Yeah. And it's live. And Laura and I get to talk about our stories. We don't really talk about ourselves too much. So you can learn a little bit more about us. And it's actually really fun and invigorating. I get always, I always get really energized after our info sessions. And of course, there'll be a recording available if you want to watch it on your own time. But yeah, do sign up for our mailing list. We're going to start adding different types of content to that too, that you can't find anywhere else on the newsletter. So today we're going to chat about the best feng shui plants. So with that, there's a caveat that, of course, there's always a best depending on the situation, depending on who you are, what you want to manifest, how much light you have in your space. So in feng shui, it's really a beautiful practice because there's this balance between the practical, the earth side, and then the inspirational or intentional, which is the heaven side. So how do we connect the two and how do we start to look at our homes and our lives with more intention and purpose and mindfulness and plants are a really beautiful way to start to work with that in your home. And people are very attracted to plants in the past few years, I think, because we're seeking to be more in tune with nature, to have a little bit of nature in our homes, but in feng shui, actually plants are related to the wood element. So Laura, you want to tell them about the wood element? Yeah. So the wood element is part of the five element system, which is a system in feng shui where energy is connected and the cycles of energy are connected with nature and observing what happens seasonally and in nature, these theories over, you know, thousands of years have been, you know, continued and, and developed. So feng shui is one of the practices, one of the arts that uses this system. And the wood element is one of five of these, of one of these five elements is is one of them. And all of these elements work together. It's good when they're, you know, when they're sort of present in different levels, depending on what you need. And the wood element really has to do with so, so many things. All of the elements do. There's lots of layers to them. 
They are wood energy. So when you talk about the wood element, we're not just talking about a physical form, although it's really nice to go to that, which is why we're talking about plants. You want to almost back it up a bit and think about the energy. And so the energy of wood is like springtime, right? It's new growth. It's things, you know, pushing through the ground. It's activity. It's new beginnings, but it's also on a subtler level. It is kindness. It's flexibility. It's compassion. So there's a lot of subtle nuances to this element. And I, and we, and part of the reason I think people gravitate to plants is because these, these are present and we, we, we don't even know it, but this is the sort of energy that you're getting along with. Of course, it's going to make your house feel more vital, more, you know, everything is, you know, more alive, but also there's that subtle undercurrent of, you know, this kindness and this flexibility and this compassion that plants really bring into your life and into your space. Laura, this reminds me of in our inner circle. So we started a membership program and one of the parts of this inner circle that we have, this membership program is a Q&A session. And someone had asked us last month what to do about a sick plant and how to work with that energy. And I think that Laura gave a really interesting answer that some of you may be feeling too at this point. And I know I've gone through this several times in my life maybe feeling a little bit overwhelmed with too many plants and caring for sick plants and so forth. So Laura really had this insight with the question that was asked and laser focused it more into is the fact that having plants and a sick plant in your home, is that creating more stress for you? And how can you start to have compassion for yourself and recognize, is this overwhelming Or maybe do you have too many plants that you have to take like a whole weekend to take care of them all and don't have time to take care of yourself? So that could be like the flip side, which the the plants are actually teaching you. Maybe it's time to say goodbye. Maybe it's time to let go of some of us. Maybe it's time to pass it on and take care of yourself a little bit more instead of taking care of other beings all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It can be stressful when a plant gets sick for all of you people out there that are plant people, when you see that there's something going on and there's different things, you know, and some plant people are pretty good at recognizing immediately what the issue is and it can cause stress. Like I know it causes me stress. So I have to figure out how to manage it. I've also picked plants that I know won't cause me stress too. So, but yes, uh, plants, when you take on anything living, especially if you take on a lot of it, you know, a lot of these plants, you still have to care for them. Right. And there is this compassion. You want to take care of them well. So just don't, don't overcommit yourself. (laughs) There you go. Don't overcommit yourself to loving your plants. Mm -hmm. And it's also okay and appropriate to say that this is not appropriate for my life anymore. And I need to say goodbye. So I've had different phases in my life where I needed to say goodbye to some plants. So I found good homes for them and there's no um, shame or judgment in that to know that you can definitely give, give them away and that you can, you don't have to hold on to things that are becoming overwhelming and stressful for you. Mm -hmm. Now, having said that we do love plants and there are so many benefits for bringing them into your home. And we're going to talk about some of the best ones, best air quotes to bring, because from a feng shui perspective, we can look at plants and see what they could cultivate in our lives and in our homes. So 
beyond just, you know, some of the ones we talked about, you know, being able to observe the cycles of nature, that's a really big deal, you know, to really be connected to nature, to see that, oh my goodness, in the wintertime, my plant stops growing and the leaves yellow and some of them fall and, you know, you get this panic, but that's the, that's normal. Some of us are like, no, no yellow leaves, but that happens. But then come springtime, things perk up, you know, new growth comes. So that's really for, for those of you living in a city or you're not able to really connect with the cycles of nature as much as you would like to plants are fantastic for that. Um, also, which we talked a lot about, they help us care for living beings. And it gives us a, a connection to that. If we're feeling like we need to care for something, plants are a really easy way to do that. So we've kind of, we, what we did is we grouped our favorite plants into categories. <laughs> so just to give you guys some actual plants to use to bring into your space. And if you've been thinking, so I, I would say the first category would be the easiest plant to care for, especially given what Angie and I just talked about, but not taking on too much, not stressing yourself out. So Angie, what is your favorite easy easy plant, easy care plant? Sure. One of my favorites is a pothos. In fact, I was at um, someone's house yesterday doing a consultation and they had a few different pothos plants around their home and they had been, you know, created, propagated from an original pothos plant that belonged to his grandmother. So um, pothos can be a really, really easy one for everyone to start with. It is a plant that I have in my home and there's so many different variations. There's variegated ones, there's neon ones, there's just regular ones. And I actually have the same pothos plant that I received maybe over a decade ago when I moved to New York city and someone gifted it to me as a housewarming gift. And so it's been through a lot. It's lived in a first ground floor apartment in New York city with no lights. And now it's thriving in my bedroom. So that would be a really great one to start with. And I might say like Laura came up with these beautiful categories, like how to find an easy plant to care for. But in turn, again, like let's look at the mirrored teaching of that. It can then help you to create more ease in your life or teach you how to create more ease in your life by selecting a plant that is easeful to work with. Easeful, non-stress. Doesn't ask a lot of you. I would say my favorite ease plant that creates ease is the ZZ plant. If you're Canadian, <laughs> the ZZ plant, because it's got a very long Latin name with two, na two uh, names that start with Z, 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 and Z. So we just, people just call it ZZ. ZZ plant is really quite beautiful. It's very striking and long fronds that come out. And when the new stalks come out, they're like bright green. They are drought tolerant. So if you forget to water them, and I'm, I mean, like, forget, like, forget, forget, they have this ability to hold, they actually have this big ball root that holds water in them. So they're, they're drought tolerant. They are also low light lovers. So if you are not lovers, but they will tolerate low light. So if you don't have a super bright, most plants just, they need sunlight. That's just 
bottom line. But ZZ plants are really tolerant on putting it into a, you know, a less bright area if your apartment or your home isn't as bright. So I would recommend that. And they're really easy to propagate. They're easy to split and divide. And then you can have many of them, you know, down the road and they grow fairly quickly too. So yeah, I actually have a ZZ plant that was in that first floor dark apartment (laughs) and it stayed very petite. And then when I moved into a sunnier apartment, it grew bigger. And then Mm -hmm. it's really easy. You just cut off the, cut off a stem and you can put it in water and it'll create its own little bulb. So they're super Mm -hmm. easy to propagate. They're really cool. Yeah. Okay. Next category, um, how you can make wood energy, which we talked about, become the focal point of your living room. So why would you want to do this? So the wood element, as we said, new growth, ideas, creativity. There's a lot of energy that you wouldn't want to tap into with wood energy. It's also connected to family, the family area of your home and family harmony. You know, that again, coming back to the compassion, that flexibility. So it's a, it would be something that, you know, if you could put it in a common area of your home, like the living room, you could set the intention to bring in more of this family harmony and ease again. And so Angie, do you have one that you would say if somebody says, I really want to make a statement, I want to bring the wood element in a big way in my home or in my living room? Yeah. So the fiddle leaf fig is one that is very popular right now. You see it in all the Instagram uh, feeds and it's quite a beautiful, striking plant that can be small, but also can be quite large if you buy one that's been cultivated or you receive one that's been cultivated and it has really beautiful leaves that have a shape of like a fiddle and they have a beautiful silhouette and they can be, like I said, quite large. So can make a great focal point for the living room. They are a bit more finicky. I've known many people to have problems with Mm-hmm. growing them or keeping them. So I would definitely do your research. My sister-in-law recently said, um, because she has one in her living room, that's doing really well. She was saying the key is to just not water them very often, mm-hmm. but you have to understand what that means. So it takes a bit mm-hmm. of a learning curve because someone who's not familiar with plants might say not watering them is not watering them, but if someone, <laughs> <laughs> but you don't want to, you don't want to overwater them. So you have to learn what that means. Mm-hmm. And it depends on how much, you know, humidity there is, what season it is. So how big the roots are, how exactly. much, how dense Yeah. There's a lot of factors. Yeah. Fiddle leaf fig is, I have a huge, I have one that's seven feet tall now and watering it according to when it needs it is important. And also it does like light, but they're not for the faint of heart. Um, they can be, it can really make you super sad when something goes wrong with it. Cause they're so big and beautiful. But what I would say is if you are less green thumb talent, you know, and you're, you're a little, you want something a little more low maintenance, Arika palms, which look like you know, like a palm, just in that you'll, they take up quite a bit of space. So they, they spread out wide. They're great in a corner that is sort of forgotten and they are fairly tolerant. First of all, they're very easy. They're, you know, they're very forgiving and they are great. If you want to create that sort of change that stagnant corner into something and fill it with life. It's also really good air filter plant. They use them in offices a lot because of that ability to actually change the quality of the air. They use 
um, you know, there, you can bring in a certain amount into a, into a, a workspace. So Arika Palm is one that I would, I would recommend. Okay. Next category. So the next one is plants that are feng shui approved and pet friendly. So whenever Laura and I do anything about plants, there's always a very helpful person that chimes in and reminds us what about pet friendly plants? So this time we're watching out for you guys. So we, we <laughs> brought in, so it's hilarious because Laura, Laura has tons of plants and she has many not pet friendly plants. So this also mm-hmm. depends on your situation. It does. But and your, with, and your cat and your dog. Yeah, yeah. So with, you know, our students love this because they know when they ask us a question, we'll give them a long answer. And then at the end we'll say, but it depends. So, um, and this is what our teachers taught us. So in this case, these are plants that are feng shui approved and supposedly pet friendly, but it depends on your situation. And so we invite you to explore this on your own and, and make your own decisions. But, um, but, uh, yeah, so let's talk about some feng shui approved and pet friendly Mm -hmm. cats or pet friendly, um, uh, pet friendly plants, plants. So say that five times fast. So I have both of these, Uh, as you said, I have many, many, many plants. My cats don't care. They don't touch them, but it's funny. Actually, my cat does eat the spider plant. The spider plant is number one and it's because it's like a grass almost. And, um, and he actually killed it. He ate it so much. Um, and, but spider plants are feng shui approved because they are again, very easy to grow, very drought tolerant. And they make little babies that like sprout out. And then you can, they propagate easily. Like they're very symbolic of abundance and like fertility for me, you know, these like sprouts of little babies that come out on the, and then you can take those little babies and plant them and give them away and stuff. So they have this real abundance about them. Then the other thing I would say Angie for pet approves is to keep it really simple and just go with herbs, right? Herbs are also people friendly. Yeah. So you can also, exactly. people can also eat them. <laughs> That's what I hear. <laughs> can people, can people eat the spider plant? I don't know. Maybe. Well, you know what? There's something for the cat and something for us. Okay. No, I, I think herbs are good catnip. Yeah. And that's a, a yeah. Catnip or cat mint. Catmint is actually a really great herb for tinctures. And if you're into herbal medicine, you know, that kind of herbal making salves and stuff like that. I've used catmint for lots of that. Um, and it is related to the mint plant. They're uh, connected to the earth element, actually, those plants specifically. And they're really um, herbs overall, from a feng shui standpoint, you can bring them into your kitchen. And then you can bring the wood element into an area of your home that is pretty dominant with fire and water. So it's nice to add a little bit of wood element in there to sort of balance everything out. So lots of ways to use herbs and the benefits of them. And of course, as we mentioned, they're pet friendly. So they're, they're easy peasy. And people friendly. And people friendly. Although I will say I have a very... I have a challenging time cultivating herbs because I think my, my mother-in-law was saying that they might have, they need more, um, something in the soil than most house plants. So they're, yeah, they, they're, and they need a lot of light generally. Yeah. 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 Okay. Next category. We have the best plants for prosperity. So Laura, what are your favorite plants for prosperity? Well, I like 
a rubber plant, which is a type of ficus that has big round leaves that are shiny and dark green, and sometimes even like purple colored. You can get them like purpley colored, like a deep purple. And again, they fill a space. They're fairly easy to grow. They get quite large. And so I actually have one in my wealth corner. So for me, when I think of what I have in terms of that, there's two, one is the rubber plant because that kind of moving from green to purple, which is a very, in feng shui is connected with a particular area of the bagua, which is the wealth gua. And so if you know where to find your wealth gua, which if you go, if you don't, we have a podcast about it. And if you go to the blog, we have a free download that'll tell you how to find that area of your home. You can place the rubber plant in that area. And again, really easy, low light tolerant too. Like they don't need as much light. And then the other one is, and Angie, do you have one of these? Oh no, I don't have a jade plant. Actually. Oh, you don't? Oh, no. okay. I have like I have, eight. You give me a cutting. I know I should. I have eight of them, like small, like, well, they're about a foot tall each. And I've been growing them for years. They are. And that's the other thing is they're, they're slow growing. They're almost like they'll grow as big as your pot, which most plants do, but jade plants tend to not, they don't, they're, they're happy to just be in that plant size that you, that pot size that you've given them. And from a prosperity standpoint is they look like little coins, their leaves. They're like these fat little coins they're just so beautiful and they're absolutely less is more with jade plants. You can love them to death. So they need very little water. Like I think I water mine once every two weeks of that. So jade plants are awesome. And I have them again, also in my wealth area. I have a whole bunch of them. Yeah. I love what you just said about the jade plant before we got into the prosperity part that you said that it stays, it's very happy to stay in the pot that it's in, which can be another teaching on prosperity that you can be happy and pleasantly content with what you have prosperity wise that you can make do with what you have and feel really blessed and be really content to not need more because one of the causes of suffering and feeling like really challenged in your life is wanting what you don't have and then not wanting what you do have. And so the jade plant just being content in its pot and growing within what it's uh, what's available is a great teaching on feeling abundant no matter where you are. And that actually leads to more abundance later, which, mm -hmm. which is a great teaching. Mm -hmm. And one, actually, when we're talking about pots, that sort of got me thinking that if you are following the Bagua, and again, you don't have to adjust every area of the Bagua, as we say over and over again, but let's say you're choosing to put it into prosperity and you're not, you don't have a jade plant or you don't have a rubber plant, or you can take a plant that you have, or that you like, and you could put it in a purple pot you can use pots to bring in the color. So a plant itself will bring in that growth energy. And then you can layer on the bagua color with the pot. So it's a way to create, you know, activate a certain area of the bagua as well. So, you know, you don't have, you can sort of combine both of those concepts together to create a little enhancement in, a, in one of the guas. And our last category mm -hmm. are the best plants for romance and love. So what, before we get into this, I have a cute little story. So I've been working with this idea that instead of buying a new plant, if you want to bring in a plant into your home, a new to you plant into your home, that is going to be for a feng shui purpose, that you can also take some time and 
think about like the friends that you have in your life and any plant lovers that you have in your life and see if they have any cuttings to offer you. And so I was talking about this and um, there's a couple I'm working with. I'm doing their acupuncture studio expansion. They're called Olo Acupuncture here in New York. And actually one of the owners, he used to study feng shui. He studied feng shui with us. And anyway, he and his wife are like such a cute couple and they, there's, they get along so well and they love plants and they own this acupuncture practice together. And like, they're always together. Like I'm working with them all the time. And so I was saying like, they could start giving, they, they could start making this side business where they give cuttings of their plants because it actually embodies their chi. Cause they're really like a great example of like a perfect couple. And I was making a joke that they could start selling little cuttings of plants imbued with their really good, um, really successful relationship chi to single people. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yes. And that is true. I mean, you can, you can bring in the chi that's the predecessor chi, right? It comes from good chi. So yeah. Uh, like, well, one, one last thing, like when you talk about what rubber plants for the prosperity mm -hmm. area, I actually have a rubber plant that was gifted to me from a friend when she moved and she actually has like super really successful business. chi. like her and her husband both sold blogs for like millions of dollars, I think. And, um, she gifted me this rubber tree plan. And I really feel that it's imbued with her successful money chi and business mm -hmm. chi and that, and that's actually sitting in my benefactors area of my home. So it really depends. I mean, now it's been like 10 years, so it has a lot of my chi in it, but I think, <laughs> but it's like getting a little like sourdough starter from someone like, you, you know what that's I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's but funny. back to plants for okay, yes. romance. The two. Love the two that we came up with. So one traditional in black sect feng shui, which is the feng shui that Angie and I teach and practice. The orchid is called the gentleman or a gentlewoman and or gentle person. And although the professor did call it the gentleman, <laughs> the orchid is, uh, is a way to bring in cultivate and to bring in that type of a, a charming partner, a graceful partner, a partner that will support you. And the orchid represents that. So if you want to bring in this partner into your life, this graceful, gentle person, energy and charming person, the orchid is the plant that you would do it with. And you would place it in a spot that you can see when you get home so that you're always, you know, when you walk in the door, there it is. I prefer it in pink, uh, just because white is a little stark, but pink or purple is great. I mean, white's fine. I would just choose purple or pink. And you could also put it in your bedroom a nightstand, or you could even take it a step further and put it in the area that is in the Bagua that is all about partnership love romance, which is called Kun. Again, if you need help finding it, go to our blog and you can download the Bagua e-kit that we have that will walk you through it. So that's one. And then the other one the other is one, Anthurium. Yeah. yeah Anthurium. Yeah. So Anthurium yeah. are great. They're, I think they, they're tropical. My mm -hmm. flower teacher talks about how they're all over Hawaii. He used to live in Hawaii and work in, mm -hmm. and teach in Hawaii. And the flower of the anthurium and the leaf of the anthurium has mm -hmm. a beautiful heart shape, which of course speaks to romance and love and to connecting with your own heart. And 
for you to open up your heart to somebody else. They're actually pretty easy to care for. I've Mm -hmm. had quite a few that are pretty drought resistant if you Mm -hmm. forget them for a while, which is a great metaphor for love too, that you have someone that will be around even in thick and thin and the the orchid's a little bit different or orchid's definitely more finicky. I have a good orchid story though. I'm super proud of this by the way. So I bought an orchid like a year and a half ago and it bloomed and then it was done. Right. And so what do you do? You was like, I don't know, throw it an orchid. It's useless. It's just green leaves, but no, I kept it. And you know, what is in full bloom, both of them again, like it is unbelievable. It's huge. So it took me a year and a half, but I think there's a lesson in there too. Right. There's, I think there's a big lesson in orchids in both orchid and anthurium, because mm-hmm. like with an orchid, um, most people do toss the plant after the bloom has died. And what does that say about the way that you look at relationships? <laughs> it's like maybe after the honeymoon is over, you're bored and you're tired and you're just looking for that, just the beautiful flowery parts. But what about really st- sticking to it and really putting some energy and being patient with a partner. And these are all qualities that you have, you actually, honestly, I think have to cultivate if you want a successful Mm -hmm. partnership. So there's so many metaphors and teachings from plants. Agreed. Okay. So I thought we could finish with just a few basic plant tips. We've actually talked about a lot of these as we've been explaining and talking about the different plants. One, do your research you know, about the plants, there's about 8,000 blogs that are dedicated to plants and they're good blogs. They're, they're well, well researched and well put together about what you need in terms of light, water, fertilizer, all that stuff. But I will say, if I had to say one takeaway, well, I have many takeaways, but one for me, my one tip would be don't overwater underwater and don't stick with like people like, Oh, today's watering day. It's Saturday. I'm going to water all my plants today. No, you have to check to see if, cause you know, again, humidity times a day, how now my plants are drinking a lot. So they need to be watered a little more regular in the winter time. They stop drinking as fast. So you have to like stick the finger, stick your finger in the soil, go down at least two inches and see, is it dry all the way down there? Then you can consider giving it a little bit of water and you don't have to soak it every time either. That's it. That's my one thing. Don't overwater on if anything, air on the side of underwatering. And then my tip would be to be mindful of um, how much light is available for the plant and do your research. And if you need one that's easeful, we gave you some easy plants that can provide more ease in your life. And then the last thing I would say is a question that will, I'm sure will come up as you're listening to this. Yes, we're talking about real plants and not fake. Mm. So we would, we're not talking about none of these teachings come from fake plants. We'll have another, another episode where we talk about fake plants, but in this case, we're talking about real plants, mm-hmm. living plants. Okay. So thank you, Laura. And thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Holistic Spaces podcast. You can tune in every Monday for a new podcast episode. If you like our podcast in this episode, please share it with others, subscribe, even better, leave a review. And you can always support the podcast by checking out our Feng Shui Practitioner Certification course at mindfuldesignschool.com and signing up for our mailing list. If you go to mindfuldesignschool.com. 
Thank you so much for listening and we will see you next week.